Hello and welcome to Forget the Numbers. This week on the show, we talk about the importance of looking after yourself and staying in the right mindset for the week before exams. We also look at recent news stories, including the office giant who's filed for an IPO and how business leaders are challenging the view that shareholders must come first before getting to this week's questions. I'm joined today by Alan. Hello. And Katie. Hi, everyone. Um, So we've talked a lot recently about all the different resources that people should be using, different um, study techniques, a lot of exam technique. But what are the other important, I suppose, softer skills that people need to bring into their week before exams? It's probably anybody listening to this probably recognising the fact that they're panicking a lot. (laughs) So it's to kind of um, accept that panic and move on because you're like trying to hide from it. And it is a stressful time. So accept that it's stressful. Um, So it is a really important time to look after yourself. And and we talked before about like sleeping and eating properly and, and nearly as usual comparing it to some kind of a sports thing. But it is really important that people do look after themselves and like there's only so much study you can do every day yeah. you can't study for eight hours or ten hours yeah and i think people often fall in the trap the week before where they they nearly want to go over everything again and yeah. they try to go back and watch all the videos or you know read all the notes again but i suppose as hard as it is it's trying to bring some level of confidence in and just accept that you do know it you have done it and yeah. it's really just keeping on top of that technique and just keeping practicing and staying in that exam mode well a trick might be every day do two subjects and do one that you're really good at or comfortable with and then do one that you struggle with so like you can use that one you know say it's not the end of the world at least i'm good at something but i think in the week before it's it's much better to concentrate on areas that you're you're struggling with or you don't particularly like or so if you're kind of a numbers person having to sit and do some of the the more um, longer form kind of questions that don't have numbers in them or discussion questions, you're better off doing more of them, I think. Um, if that's what you don't like, a lot of people don't like the numbers, although if you don't like numbers and you're being an accountant, maybe it's the wrong <laughs> job for you. But, so it's probably the other way around. But, uh, but it's spending time on those things that, um, that matter. And I think it's not falling into the, like the numbers trap is a big trap that people practice lots of numbers questions and forget about the discussion. I think we know more and more numbers in a funny way. Numbers are becoming less of less and less of the exams. And the numbers yeah. part is something you do, but actually a lot of the marks are for what you do with those numbers and how you interpret them. Um, and especially, I think, in the applied skills where it looks so numbers-based, people use a lot of, lose a lot of marks because they forget about the, the key discussion that they have to have at the end. And I think to you mentioned earlier, we always bring it back to a sports analogy. Um, I suppose running the marathon is one that comes to mind and you have actual experience of doing this. But I suppose it's that risk of burning out by overdoing it um, ahead of the exams. So I know we've all done exams at different stages. What are our tips to avoiding that burnout, I suppose, that people would have had? Well, I think the I, what I'm terrible at personally is the night before. And everybody goes, oh, I'm going to spend a few ni- the hours the night before learning everything. And I just look at the notes the night before and I tend to, and I think a lot of people feel like this, you kind of tend, well, if I don't know it now, it's kind of, no. <laughs> I'm never going to know it. And there is a an element of letting your brain rest. And I think even when we, like the crash camp is an example of, something that we did that's like really extreme, that's really kind of taking, you could be spending seven to 10 hours studying. And it's not something we recommend, but we put it out there because we know people are in that position. 
but at the, even at the crash camp, the way we designed it, the la- it, it falls like the amount of time studying reduces, the amount of effort reduces. Yeah. Even in the last day, it's kind of reading examiners' reports and it's doing those little things that are not overly taxing. So it is a case of, like you talk about the marathon. Well, nobody who runs a marathon on a Sunday runs another one on Friday to practice. Yes. Yeah. So, so and I think that's that's the logic. So there there is an element of kind of having responsibility for yourself and, and making sure that you prepare properly because an exam is no different than a race. And if you're not prepared properly, um, mentally and physically, you will struggle. Yeah, and I think we, we touched on earlier, um, and again, if people have any thoughts, their own experience of this, but um, how big a factor things like sleep play into that and how, you know, uh, if, if you're not getting that sleep the week before, how, how much of an impact that can have on your concentration and making those smaller mistakes that, you know, you're trying to avoid the, the, the little mistakes that you wouldn't normally do, but just because of the added pressure and you mix something like sleep into that. Yeah. So what effect do you think that that can have or how do you avoid that? Well, I think like if you have an, if I had an exam tomorrow and I think generally most people don't sleep the best the night before exam, but when you kind of need to have your sleep in the bank is the week before, is you kind of need to have that week that you're well rested, that you do find time to relax or whatever it is that relaxes you, whether it's exercise, whether it's watching TV, whatever it is that you don't, you're not, you're not kind of finished studying, trying to go to sleep, wake up, started studying. I don't think that's helpful at all, but I think sleep is really, really important. And these people go, oh, well, it's okay. It's only a week with three hours sleep a night. <laughs> it, it's not. Eventually, like, I know what I'm like if I have three hours sleep a night or what most people are like. Do you ever see people coming off a plane from America at like six o'clock in the morning in Dublin and you'll see what it's like. So there's no, there's no people kidding themselves and they hear all these stories. Oh, my friend did this and this person did that. That doesn't happen. Nobody can, nobody who's not used to it can all of a sudden say, I'm going to study 21 hours a day, sleep for three hours, do that for a week and I'll be fine at the end of it all. So like sleep is really important. important. Eating is really important. It is preparing for a sports event. It is making sure that you're in the prime condition as you can. And no matter how much knowledge you have, if you don't have the energy, if your brain isn't alert enough, it's going to get lost in there. You're not going to be able to kind of retrieve it and, and get it back. Um, and you're just going to feel it's the physical version of feeling lethargic and too tired and you just want to give up and it's just not working out and you're just not feeling confident and happy. Yeah, and I think one, um, I suppose, the kind of final point we talked about and you mentioned how it's natural for people to be panicking now and just accept that's there. I think one thing which can alleviate that quite a lot is taking the unknown out of what you're going to experience next week. And we always talk about this. Um, you know, the, the more familiar you are with what the paper is going to look like when you're handed it, what using the CBE tool is going to be like, um, you know, what it's like to, to sit down for three hours, 15 minutes and write an exam. Um, the, the more familiar you are with that, it, it takes away all of that pressure and all that panic around those controllable elements. You obviously can't control what's going to be asked. But if you're really familiar with that, which comes from doing things like mock exams, you do take away a lot of that that unnecessary pressure you're putting on yourselves. Yeah. So I, I think that's probably something we'd really, because you have a week now to really get familiar with that. And try and recreate your study um, as much as you can in the exam hall. So if you're, if you're used to studying on your own and exam hall is noisy, bring earplugs. Um, 
or go study in a library for a week where you're used to kind of background noise, no matter how quiet the library might feel, is still going to have background noise. So every little preparation you can do, um, sleep, study, preparing yourself for the day, knowing what the paper looks like, doing mm. a mock exam, even if you don't have time to get it corrected now, just doing the mock exam and, lo- and, and sitting down for three hours and 15 minutes in one place and writing or typing for that amount of time yeah. or for four hours in SBL, you can't, like every little will help you. Every little thing you do will help you. And people say, oh, will it really matter? Well, they're the same people. I go, I got 48 and 49. Yeah. Quar- every percentage point matters in ACCA. And I think even, um, we kind of touched on it there, but even if your exam is first thing in the morning, but you're used to, you know, you study in the evening, you need to at some stage over the next week be doing that get up at the time you would before your exam, you know, practice a paper, do questions at that time, mm. because you need to get, get into that kind of routine of how it's going to be for the exam. So the the more you can replicate that and the more you can kind of keep studying and look after yourself this week, the more success you're going to have come the exams. If you're enjoying listening to the Forget the Numbers podcast, we'd really appreciate it if you could rate us on your podcast provider. Our first news story this week is that office giant WeWork has filed for an initial public offering. Um, this follows the takeoff of I suppose shared office spaces and kind of communal spaces in general around the world. So while it plans to raise about $1 billion, they think the final offer um, could be cited at more than three times that. But they are not without controversy. There's been um, a lot of questions called, They've while they've quadrupled their revenue in recent years, they also have huge losses. I think over the last two years, it's 1.6 billion in losses. Mm. Um, and then there's a number of other issues which have come into question this week, including the amount of control the CEO has, this long list of related party transactions, which is putting off some investors. And then people are also saying how susceptible a business like this is to an economic downturn with just huge investments in properties. And if other businesses struggle and leave, um, so there's a lot of, I suppose, issues, but then people are also very confident that this could be a huge investment. So I suppose, what do you think are are the main um, things investors are looking at with a, a company like this? Yeah, this is a this is one of those nice little case study questions that you might get in an exam, whether it be a case study or even a shorter kind of APM, AFM yeah. type scenario. Um, like I think first to positives, like, and you look around a lot of big cities and WeWork is becoming a real presence around yeah, the world nearly. Um, and when we look in Dublin and, and as a company, we have used them in, in the past and, and they're pretty cool buildings, they're yeah. impressive buildings. Um, but as you said, they don't come without the risks because obviously um, you're paying more for the flexibility of having kind of space at your fingertips. But if you didn't need them tomorrow, well, there's that risk of, well, we just stop. Yeah. And the whole downturn thing, um, as we saw in many countries, what people will do is they, they the minute a downturn happens, what people do is they slash costs. That's, mm. that's nearly what most companies react is. What can we like get rid of non-permanent staff, cut back costs that we we want? Whereas like now maybe people are willing to spend more. So we can see where those risks are. Um but it's a as a business and you kind of it's it's a real success. It's certainly blowing local versions of it out of the water in yeah. in their quality um but then so that's from a company perspective and, an, and a kind of outsider perspective but if you're an investor and you're looking well they're not really making lots of money they're raising lots of money 
and then there's clouds hanging around. Yeah. As an investor, it's all about risk, I guess. So it's all about whether or not you care about those things. Um, it's like some people will have certain moralities. I won't invest in that company or this company, maybe because of um, climate change or because it, so the company isn't doing anything wrong, but in their view, they're wrong. Um, but when a company is going, like WeWork is going to do a big investment, there are risks to doing that. And when they're setting a price, mm. that's going to be the big area. What, like, what price do they set? What is the demand? How will people react? How... Um, I guess, moral are investors when it comes to if the numbers yeah, make sense. Yeah. Um, it's great to say... If the oh, risk I w- adds up. Yeah. yeah, it's great to say I wouldn't invest in them because there seems to be some great areas. Well, wait till depressed. our second story. We get into that. Okay, but, but you kind of go... Like, so it really is... They're, they're, that's why not every investor invests in every company. And people have their own uh, risk appetites. And their appetite might be for certain companies or avoid certain things. Um but yeah, on the face of it, I, I would. It yeah. seems like a sound investment. I would yeah. think. Yeah, and I think a lot of um, a lot of the previous money they've raised has come with quite stringent covenants of you know an amount of cash that needs to be held to try and avoid some of these. Yeah, I suppose that the the big thing they're they're saying is that they could run into cash flow issues, but I think people are trying to maybe alleviate some of those risks with what they set. Well, it's all about their business model as well, are they? And, and again, if you're getting this case study, you have to look a bit deeper sometimes and, and get those extra marks. So th- there's no details of what you said, but are they purchasing their buildings? Are they renting their buildings? Are mm. they tied into yeah. like 50-year rental on buildings? Or are they tied in um, to terms that they could actually get out of them as quickly as people could leave them? Yeah. So it depends on how that model is built up that gives them that kind of comfort and flexibility as well. Yeah, but I think it's it's obviously going to be a really interesting one. And I think we always find it very interesting, these, I suppose, new businesses um, that find a way to innovate and yeah. take over. I know they're, uh, I think it's that they're, they're only nine years old, but they have over half a million members in their different offices and they're around the world. So it'll be an interesting one to track in the, the kind of coming weeks. Maybe Learn Signal will be a case study. Yeah, to come. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. So moving on, and we have already kind of um, touched on this, or you mentioned, but a um, a group of business leaders, these are called the Business Roundtable and are made up of 200 or so very high-level CEOs in America, are challenging the view that shareholders should always come first, which is obviously a long-standing economic um, view. And this is the idea that you need to balance shareholder interests with the needs of all stakeholders, including your workers and broader society. And I suppose the idea is to avoid, you know, growing inequality that, um, you know, different people have access, workers have similar rights, and there's not such a fixation on short term results, but you're looking at longer term value, you know, what you bring to society, how you look after the environment. So, it's all very easy to say, and I know there are a lot of business leaders saying this, but do you think that's ever a practical step that's going to take over? I think a term that's changed um, over the last number of years is that businesses talk about stakeholders, not shareholders, a lot. Yeah, And I think it's very fair. I think um, it's about time that employees who are dedicating their careers to companies um, at all levels get recognised. Um, stakeholders in companies now are the environment. That you that you live in, that you work in, the country that you may you may have a factory in or operate a business in. So stakeholders are varied, and it could be government, and it could be regulators. Mm. But at the end of the day, 
that you, I always think the shareholders are slightly ahead of them all because they're giving you their money to invest. And kind of without shareholders investing, you wouldn't have either, either you wouldn't be there or you wouldn't have attained yeah. the growth. So there's kind of like they took the risk at the end of the day. And I get the whole thing that every shareholder wants maximum return mm. and telling shareholders, well, you could have earned more money, but we tried to save the planet or we paid our staff more or we did something positive or we got fined lots of money for a regulator. So we couldn't either way. And I know giving bad news to shareholders, but that's about that's like we work. That's kind of setting out the terms of what you're investing in. Yeah. Um, so they are the ones taking the risk at the end of the day, as much as the employees are taking the risk. So everybody's taking different risks. So I do get that the focus shouldn't be as narrow on shareholders. Yeah. But they still, they, you're still there because they gave you the money. Yeah, yeah. So and there's I, a real balance. And I, I think. think the other side, um, and maybe take a more <laughs> cynical view, is that, you know, if you're not keeping shareholders happy and if the business yeah. isn't performing well the the impact can be a lot worse than it is you know if if businesses are struggling and jobs are forced to be lost or you know costs are cut in yeah. other projects because of the issue the business is having um that could have a, a a worse impact but i definitely think it's it's a positive trend that these um you know a lot of that and you see it in certain courses with that sustainability reporting and more integrated reports that look at other aspects that it is a positive trend if they're taking a broader focus of, of what value is and, and how you can add value. Each week at the end of the show, we answer questions sent in by our listeners. You can send in your questions by email to podcast at learnsignal.com or tweet us at LearnSignal. So I mentioned at the start that we're joined by Katie and Katie is the newest member of our education team at LearnSignal. Hi everyone, happy to be here. So Katie's going to let us know the um, the questions that have been coming in this week. And I think we've had kind of a trend with questions. Yeah, so one of the main, I suppose, the main question coming through in the last week, both through the site and the webinar would be, and again, we touched on it at the start, would be, you know, we're one week out from exams. Students are starting to feel overwhelmed. And just do we have any kind of advice on what, what we would do the week before exams to kind of manage that stress and that anxiety? Yeah, and I think... There's probably two sides we look at this and we've been pretty clear on this with the students. One is, you know, the person who's been working hard and preparing and doing boot camp. And for them, we give them the advice that we gave at the start. It's about looking after yourself, keeping going. For the other student we're getting who's saying, I haven't done a tap. I, you know, really want to, you know, take it as the best chance I have at going at this, but I haven't done the work so far. Um we are now directing them to our crash camp, which is something we talked about last week. And really, that's just an intensive camp to try get someone through a lot of the materials and a lot of the different questions. But I suppose the idea behind it is focus on those really core areas of the syllabus and really focus on questioning practice and your exam technique. And, you know, is that the key now? You're, yeah, you're not, I think really particularly this week, um, especially for students who have maybe started learning the content at an early stage, you know, a lot of the content is there in your head at this stage of this week. And this week is just really important for focusing on that exam technique. And I know we keep reinforcing this every week, but it is vital at this stage. And if you have kind of stuck to the study plan as best you can, I think this week is really important for you know, not overloading yourself with more information this week. Your mind needs to be somewhat clear on the day of the exam for you to be able to pick out the relevant material that is specific to the question. So, 
like what I would do the week before an exam. I'm not going to be learning off loads more information or just <laughs> making myself more stressed every night. I'm just going to be tipping away, do like again working on the the technique. And if I find I'm doing a question and I'm just it's just gone completely wrong. I'm it's just trying your best not to get disheartened and to reapply yourself again and go out for a walk, take a break. And um, and more often than not, when you when you come back from that, you find you can take in information a lot better. Yeah, so, I think, as, as you said, it's it's nearly having confidence in all the work you've done so far. And you exactly, know, if you haven't yeah. done that work, that's where we direct to Crash Camp to really try blitz all the work. But for those who have, there's always going to be panic. You're always going to have a question that goes, you know, maybe a little poorly. Don't let that dishearten you, as you said, which is a really good point. Just have, you know, trust all the work you've done. Um, trust the knowledge you have but just keep doing that little bit to, to stay ready for the exam exactly and I think it's actually important to remember at this point like what is the worst that can happen the worst that can happen is okay you'll fail the exam that's awful but it's not the end of the world and you just have, it's kind of the self-affirmation of continuously telling yourself look I, I've put in the work it is there and just trying your best to apply yourself in the day it won't happen for everyone but it is just about putting your best foot forward at this stage and trying your best like it, it's a cliche but it is just trying your best at this stage yeah so I think that's a perfect point to finish on for one more week just keep putting um, that best foot forward keep working away listen to what we said at the start make sure you don't burn out you get enough sleep for anyone who does want that really intensive course we have Crash Camp which is starting this week um, but for everyone just keep uh, working hard keep doing your study and best of luck with it good luck bye bye everybody